Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. If you're into cars, get into Repco. Everything you need for your car this summer. Want to know your apex from your brake bias? This is Race Control with Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver. It's a Thursday night, and that means only one thing. Welcome to Repco Race Control with McIver and Murph. G'day, Murph. G'day, McIver. Hey, we're close together this time. I know. This is, this is nice, but can I just say right from the outset, we've only got Murph for an hour tonight because, quite simply, he's going to the uh, rally. Is it the New Zealand rally launch? Well, it's the Repco Rally New Zealand Auckland. Uh, yes, got some stuff to do for that. Yeah. We launched. We did launch earlier today, but I've got some more stuff to do for it tonight. Is there, so. is there a reason I wasn't invited at all? Um, Liz, we we couldn't afford your fee. Uh, I mean, we know how much you like to charge for these kinds of things these days. So I had to actually fill in as the MC for it, oh, okay. and because okay, um, I was a lot cheaper than you. Yeah, okay, no, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take that mm. one on the chin. Don't forget, of course, tonight we'll still take your uh, texts on the Temper Bedpost text line of double eight double three, or you can call us on oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Because next week we're going to give away that Repco beer pong table. We're going to give away that Repco beer pong table. Actually, it's a really simple question tonight. Uh, what is the name of Rally New Zealand? What is the official name of Rally New Zealand? That's an easy one, right? There's a couple more words uh, attached, one at the front and one at the back now to sort of put it. Oh, what's? Yeah. can you give us the one at the back? What's well, the one at the where, back? What city is it going to be based out of? Okay, fine. Okay, that'll do us. Okay, so yeah. there's the question tonight. What is the official title of Rally New Zealand? 0800 WRC event that is coming up. <laughs> Let me get the phone number out. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 0800 or the Temper Bedpost text line on double eight double three. Okay, let's get busy because I've got to say, I, I, I can't say that. I subscribed to Spark Sport for the first time in a long time. Mm. Um, and I probably shouldn't say that because we both work for Sky Sport. But you know what? It's the only way I was going to watch F1 and F2. And, yeah. and, and the excitement generated by having a brand new F1 season. Uh, new cars, the whole nine yards. What did you make of it? Uh, Lewis Hamilton mm. qualifies averagely, ends up by default, might I say, with both DNFs for the uh, Red Bulls, and finishes on a podium. And I'm going... Can it get any crazier after week one? It, it, it was a pretty crazier week. There were some really cool highlights about it, um, like Haas, for example. So Kevin Magnussen replaces um, the Russian bloke. Yep. He's out the door um, and comes in and finishes... Seventh. No, no, he finished fifth. Did he finish fifth? Because the Red Bulls disappeared. Oh gosh, of course. So, so Haas have had this this resurgence with him. Um, you know, Mick Schumacher wasn't slow either; he was actually going quite well. Uh, Valtteri Bottas inside the top ten as well, fighting at the front. So, those were really key things for me because it it did show that there's you know there's a change, there's some change. Well, can I just 
call a pause on that for a moment? Yes. All because the Ferrari, they're running Ferrari engines, and who finished one too? No, it's not, all, not, it's not just about power, oh. um, because you've got to go around corners and you've got to look after tyres. So you don't get away with just having power if your car's a bucket of rubbish underneath you. You look at me like that, but I think I know a race car. So, so, you, so you can definitely... Power is very important, but if it doesn't, so you look at the Mercedes. Reliability. You look at the the Mercedes. Yep. Okay. So Hamilton's saying it's nothing to do with power, which I believe is not. It's actually aero. So the car is not quite right. They've got, they're struggling. They were struggling pretty much the whole way through. So the Haas they've actually done quite a good job. If that car was rubbish, the power's not going to save them. They did spend a whole year on it and sacrifice pretty the much. season for it. Yeah. But, but I think what came out of, the, the, on the flip side, remember, guess yep. the other team that's got a Mercedes engine in it and we're nowhere. So they've got great power. Williams. No. Well, them too. And the orange cars. Oh, McLaren. Well, that's that's the story. So they are busted ass nowhere, right? Out the back door. <laughs> yeah, what do you put that one down to? Do you think it's well, the Well, they haven't got it right. They the, just haven't do, got do it right. Design right or aero right? I mean, well, yeah, well, they, well, they, well yeah, they've, I know, got the, they've got the Mercedes engine. So power's not the problem. So the car's not good. Yeah, okay. So I, I, let's just talk about Ferrari and the engine power unit, which is great. But Don't, I, don't I, get too focused on that. At least they've got a good power unit now. Reliable, but a reliable unit too. Yeah. But I was just so excited to see a Ferrari one too. Of course, and, and I mean, wasn't the world. Because it's the most beautiful car in the world anyway. wasn't the world. I mean, even even at the end of it, um, um, he's showed a little bit of humility. Was was Lewis actually plaud, applauding and saying what a great job it is and so uh, how important for F1 to see Ferrari at the front, which I didn't expect to see that come out of his mouth. And Well, because you don't like Lewis. We know you don't no, like don't. Lewis. Uh, but um, Max went up to Leclerc while he was having his post-match race interview and, and said, hey, well, well done. That was cool because that was a, a bombshell of a weekend for Red Bull. Yeah. Two DNFs. So now they're behind the eight ball. What do they do in Saudi Arabia? Is the next round, this round coming up is going to be really interesting to, to see. When you looked at the racing, was it what you wanted? Because they finished what? Not one hundred percent. It wasn't the the close racing came at the front. Uh, yeah, yes, sort of. And the gaps at the to the mm. you know the rest was still reasonably normal. Yeah, the the um the first lap or so was fairly hectic. The first few laps were very hectic, mm. um, but it 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 went back to normal quite quickly, and that's exactly right. So so it was nice to see a bit of a mix up, as I say, yeah, with I a few that. cars in a few different places. Um, and that's what F1 needs, no question. But it, it – and listen, the thing is, too, they're still learning. They're still learning. Lot, they're still learning, learning, learning. Now, that could mean that um, they learn to a point where it goes back to being what we've had in the past, which is not great, or learning might mean that it co- comes to a point where they do find a, 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 a limit and then some others catch up. I don't know. It's very early to tell. But first up, you know, there was some good stuff, and then there was some stuff that – really sort of was like, eh, it's a bit more of the same. And I think what, what highlighted that for me was the fact that on the opening days of practice, uh, Mercedes were mud. They were, they, were, they, they were struggling with their porpoising. By come race time and qualifying time, they'd started to get a handle on it. And yep. that was in one weekend. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was key. But that was it was a good start. And, you know, Ferrari, we, we love Ferrari, and they're up the top uh, well, yeah. after week one. And, and we like that idea, right? But there's, there's going to be so much. I mean, they, they are on a hectic schedule. This year. It is hectic. 23 races. It is hectic. We don't know who's going to replace Russia at well, all. Well, they're talking Qatar, going back to Qatar. Oh, all, that, all that oil money. Gosh. So, who knows? But, I mean, it, it was. it's it's going to be a hectic year, and they're, they're under the pump. And I think... I think we're going to see, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of evolution this year. And that's what's going to keep us interested, right? So it's going to keep us paying our subscription oh, yeah. to the opposition yeah. just to, to, to see what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's 
That's interesting. It really is interesting. What was really cool, though, was Liam Lawson's opening weekend in F2. He podiumed twice. Uh, but And uh, we talked about this on Sky Speed, but I thought the drive from another Kiwi by Marcus Armstrong in the feature race where he went out on softs first, which only three or four of the runners did in that big mm. field and came home in fifth, fifth, fifth position yeah. starting 13th and you know he's 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 had it he's had it hard right he's he's hasn't had a great uh, run in f2 whereas Liam looks strong what did you make of Marcus's effort I thought it was I thought it was really good I thought um he was very hard done by in the sprint race um you know, didn't obviously qualify. He didn't qualify, obviously, as good as we'd like. Neither did Liam, for that matter. Which was the big issue he was talking about the preseason. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the, you know, there's lots to unpack there. Uh, I'm sure back at back at base and and while they uh, get ready for the next round, um, which again is this weekend, right? At yeah, Saudi Arabia. They, 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 they'll be there by now. Yeah. So, which is just crazy to think they can have two rounds out of the way so early. Um, but. So the qualifying was a problem, and then Marks got taken out completely. Nothing to do with him in the sprint race, and then his drive, as you say, in the uh, second race. So again, the the whole qualifying situation. You're qualifying uh, on, on on the qualifying session mm. determines the starting grid uh, as as per qualifying for the longer feature race, and the top ten is res- reversed for the um, the sprint race. So you know it's it's all a bit. Bloody hard to understand, but but so he he drove very well, Marcus, in the in the in the feature race, as you say, looked after those soft tires, went a long way into the race, which is well, I think they expect, and they were surprised how they were long surprised. they went on those softs, the new softs they call. So them. that probably set everybody else up to look and watch what he was doing to see how well he was doing to, on when they they chose to pit do their pit stops, but managing them. Um, was key, and the guy that did manage his tyres beautifully over the weekend to get a third and a second was Liam Lawson. He has started very, very well. You could watch him every time they had him on, you know, on the TV. You just saw him in in control. He was very smooth, unflustered, uh, just got on with the job and managed and had a plan. The plan was obviously very good. He's working with, obviously, uh, the team that he's working with, his engineer and, and everything. Clearly, they've got a really good plan and a good structure and good control. And and his drive was just just beautifully controlled he both happy. days. He wasn't both happy days. with that. You know, no, I know he wouldn't have been. Happy. I he didn't I, win. I know, well, I think he wasn't happy. See, he overextended the tyres. Well, he didn't really. I mean, I, he probably probably said he did yes. um, to, to the level that he maybe didn't want to, but he still managed it beautifully at the end of the day. He withstood safety car restarts. He withstood pressure from behind from cars at times that were faster than him and didn't let them get get involved in his race. So I just thought that was very, very good. He comes away from... um, uh, the first round at Bahrain, second in the championship, one point behind, one point behind, and um, yeah, moves moves on. So doing well. Okay, scurrilous scurrilous rumor. Quick scurrilous rumor. Mm. Uh, suggestions that Alpha Tori are going to sell, mm. and what does that do for Liam Lawson's chances yeah, of going to F one? I don't know if it's scurrilous. It is a rumor that's going around. I mean, yeah, that, I, that, I would hate to see him ambushed like that, and suddenly you know, being with part of the Red Bull family, that being part of the team as well, and then suddenly all those good things that are happening for him go clunk. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that whoever is talking isn't looking at people like him as well. But yeah. um, who knows? I mean, yeah, this is the thing. It changes. There's so many, so Does, many. Uh, well, yeah. sorry. There's, there's, you know, such so a limited amount of opportunities in that championship, and and it dictates, you know, what's going on. Look at Oscar Piastri at the moment, sitting, sitting there twiddling his thumbs with Alpine, um, waiting for a door to open up, which, from all accounts, sounds 
pretty certain that it will open up yeah. next year. Well, it's an exciting time, but F2 is, is, is a great watch. It is a great watch. It's a fantastic watch. This is Repco Race Control with McIver and Murph. Murph's here for the first hour. His replacement, not bad, uh, Mitch Evans, Jaguar Formula E driver, and we'll have uh, Shane Van Gisberg and maybe even throw in Simon Evans and they can have a little reunion. Stick around. There's more to come. We'll start talking MotoGP uh, right after this here on Repco Race Control on SENZ. If you're into cars, get into Repco. Everything you need for your car this summer. You're listening to Race Control. With Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Thursday night's a good night because it's time for Repco Race Control. And in this segment, we're going to talk about MotoGP and the Repco Rally New Zealand Auckland. Auckland. So what is the question tonight, if you want to get into that Repco beer pong table, is what is the official name of the Rally New Zealand? If you didn't listen right now, you'll never get in the draw. It's as simple as that. 0800-150811 or the Timber Bed Post text line on double eight double three. First round of MotoGP. Last weekend was great, right? MotoGP weekend. Mandalika, first time in Indonesia for... Second round of MotoGP. Second round of MotoGP. First time in Indonesia for 25 years. And... I got I got this is the, this is annoying me and it might annoy me for the most of the season. Oh. Jack Miller. Oh Jack yeah. Jack Miller looks so strong but there was all the way through that wet race move I got this feeling Jack's not going to hang on and I'm trying to figure out why because we like Jack. He's I'm a, sure his he's, grandma's a fan of the show. I know she well not the show. So does she know we're on radio now? I, I wonder if anyone's does. told her. I think her. she does. Okay. Um yes, I don't know if he knows why either why he wasn't able to hang on. So, you know, tricky conditions and all that kind of stuff, but that's, you know, that doesn't really seem to matter if it's wet or dry. He's still having a bit of a struggle street, isn't he? Um, well, or saying that, though, Pico Bagnaia. Ducati as a whole is, is having an having a absolute shocker. Well, we should say the factory Ducati. Yeah. Because the Pramac Ducati, which uh, Zarco was on, uh, finished on the podium, right? Yeah. And uh, that says a lot. But... Have we not seen in the past two years where the, the privateers seem to have the, the one-up on the factory? Well, they have been. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they're starting to look at um, wanting to go back to their GP21s and get off the GP22s. That's I mean, right. Remember, Pekka Bignaia after Qatar said that he is not a test rider, and that's all he's been doing. He's just testing, testing, testing. And Ducati apologised afterwards and said, well... Yes, um, we need to do things differently or better, blah, 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 blah. But you'd think they would have learnt by now. And we had a, had a conversation with, um, with Simon Crafer about this, you know, uh, who's doing a wonderful job in the commentary and in the pit lane. And it's, you know, it's amazing to watch a factory operation with so many good people not learn from the past, you know, in many respects. So here they are just continuously throwing new bits and stuff at the bikes and not allowing the rider to actually concentrate on actually riding the bike uh, with one sort of setup, you know. So um, is that still the case? Is that still causing them some, some grief? It brings me to that term we've used when it comes to Red Bull uh, racing in supercars, tinkering. Yeah. Tinkering. and well, it's and, not just and, them. And they are, Ducati are the Ferrari of MotoGP, right? They are. Well, one, literally. One of the, literally. Yeah. They're one of the big players. I think, though, the big improver, and, and this will come as no surprise to you, but the consistency and the speed that KTM are getting out of their bike and the ride of Miguel Oliveira in those conditions. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely stunning. Now, he won, he won, no, Brad 
who won last year in the wet? Uh, Red Bull Ring was it? I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I think they both they both have found that the the KTM is is very good in the wet. But to start the way they have is probably a little bit of a shock to most people. Listening to the commentators and everyone else, they were a little, a little bit surprised that that KTM has come out the blocks because in testing they actually looked like they were in full on struggle street. So the factory guys uh, have been showing some great performances, and and um, Brad Binder. Uh, finished eighth. Um, he had a few issues with his one during the race, but Miguel Oliveira was just in a league, absolute league of his own for that race. He lost a bit of time to Fabio Quattararo at the end, but he was probably backed it off by that stage. I'm trying to figure out because if you and I have been talking about MotoGP for a good two years now. We got really excited about it, and KTM was struggle. And then they're getting better. And now, as I reckon, inside well, last year was bad. Last year they had a they had a pretty average year as a whole. What, so what changes and what dynamics changes? What engineering changes to suddenly see they are? Hey, we can win races. Uh well, they have won races. Don't forget, they've already won. They have won some races yeah, in, in in MotoGP, not in a consistency. But they've they have been very competitive. Then they've gone away. And again, that comes down to changes that are made, ideas that come in. Um, they still do have a significant difference uh, to every other bike on the grid, and that is they run a steel chassis. So they run a, a, a what they call a lattice sort of frame. So it's a steel chassis, whereas everyone else is running an aluminium. Uh, frame Presumably with carbon fibre. Uh, well, with no, it's around it's around the strength and the, the just being able to tune the bike and all that kind of stuff. And that's where everybody else lives. They live with an aluminium chassis with a lot of them got carbon inserts, carbon swing arms, that kind of stuff. All sorts of yeah. trick things that change constantly. Um, whereas KTM run a steel frame, so which is what they have done everywhere. So on their, their motocross bikes are still steel frames, whereas a lot of the competition run aluminium uh, box frames. Why? Uh, well, they obviously find and believe that that is a better way to go about it. Reliability? No, no, not nothing to do with reliability. It's oh. a frame. It's a, just a chassis. Okay. It's a chassis. Yeah, yeah. Chassis is not a reliability item. Um, so they, but they, they have decided that that is their engineering and, and the way that they want to go about making their bikes work and be able to tune their bikes is is that's the way they believe to do it. So they still go down that path. So it's a significant difference. Which, at the start of them going into MotoGP. A lot of people criticised and went, this will never work, this will never work, this will never work because everyone else runs something completely different. But they chose to go down a different path. So will they be able to continue on with this? I mean, they've had one rider now at the front of the, on the podium in the first two Grand Prix. Now it's a case of, is you know, is the momentum going to continue? Um, Qatar was a shock having Binder up there. Now in the wet they have been good in the wet and before. The speed in the wet. But will it continue? So, oh, the track was amazing. I mean, they had so many issues in, in the dry. Um, guys falling off left, right and centre. We'll get to Mark Marquez in a second. And then in the wet, the surface, because it's a new surface, was just crazy, crazy fast. I mean, they were like only eight seconds That's or right. seven or eight seconds off the, 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 the dry, dry pace, times. Yeah. Just, just mental, and you could watch the corner speed and how much control most of the riders had. Control something that Mark Marquez did not have mm-hmm. in practice, and and then qualifying that high side, uh, and that major high side. I haven't seen one as bad in a, in a wow. long, long. Oh, time. I think you're right. I don't know if I have either. Uh, and it was actually scary because what? he was literally. 
and there was a big catapult, and it's he's suffering from diplopia, which is basically double mm. vision, right? Which he's had before, and and it doesn't look good. And I I'm beginning to I'm not going to play the the the, the, the jinx here, but I, I'm beginning to wonder this you know this happens again. Maybe his Mark Marquez's stunning career might come to an impro, a, well, a premature end. Anyone, if you're a Mark Marquez fan or not, anyone in the world that watches motorbikes will be hoping that that is not the case Correct. because he's such an integral, important part of of the the absolute show um i mean he he had a struggle street weekend after you know um his his teammate paul espargro showing such really really good speed obviously at, at qatar and the honda they're starting to be very positive and thinking about the honda that it's not just a mark mark marquez bike but anyone can ride it then all of a sudden they go to mandalika and they struggled and struggled both had to go through q2 to try and get through into Q1, and neither of them made it. Mark Marquez, I mean, I was watching in awe of what he was doing, and also I was uh, on the edge of my seat actually feeling bad for him. He went out and qualifying in in the Q2 round. He throws his Honda down the road. Before it had come to a stop on the gravel trap, he was running to get to the fence and get on a, a scooter to get him back um, to the the pit so he could get on his spare bike, which he got on his spare bike, and then a couple of minutes later throws that down the road at the same corner. I mean, the commitment from the guy and, and, and his just desire to achieve and win and be successful is you, you just got to sit there in, in awe of that and take your head off to him. Yep. But subsequently, the next morning Boing. in the warm-up, he goes and sticks himself uh, in the hospital. Oh, yeah, but they, you know, those boys have got donkeys. You know, oh my god, they, they have got big. It's crazy. The big, racing is still very good. Oh, I love it. It's 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 phenomenal. Quattararo and Miller are not uh, on so much talking at the moment. There was a bit of an issue on lap two, and they've uh, Quattararo has come out and um, actually had a bit of a crack back at Jack Miller after Jack Miller said his racing and his, his tactics were a bit average. So um, that's going to be a little bit of a controversial one. That's going to, f- I think, go into the season a little bit longer. We, we like that. We uh, need some controversy. Uh, let's talk locally because you yep. were at the launch of the Repco Rally New Zealand Auckland, September 28, uh, 2nd October. What can you tell us about it that, that excites you? There's a lot to be excited about about that coming back. Obviously, the new uh, hybrid rally cars are just uh, look like incredible machines. Um, Hayden Pannon was there, and he was talking about them. And, I mean, you could see the look in his eye. He just wants to get on board one of those. He's obviously going over to Europe soon with the, Estonia, the, first yep, up, yeah. his, his own rally team, New Zealand uh, rally team, to run uh, in, in WRC2 in a new Hyundai. Um, so that's really exciting. Exciting that, you know, he'll be have some miles under his belt when he gets back to New Zealand for rally, Repco Rally New Zealand. New Zealand, Auckland, uh, at the end of September. Can I just jump in here? Are you are you sort of holding back that maybe he's still trying to get a WRC oh, one drive I, I, for this? I 100% is, think. Is, is there some chatter? No, no, it's just from him. He 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 said that he couldn't think of anything better in his life to be able to be able to do that. And I, there's no doubt he'll be talking to people to try and put yep. something together. No doubt, which is awesome. So fingers crossed he does because wouldn't it be incredible to see Hayden Patton get into one of those cars and go and win? His own home oh, rally. There, there would be nothing better. I'm hearing, and that sounds mad, but hey, listen, anything is possible. I'm hearing Friday the uh, Ben Hunter's going to announce that he may have changed uh, manufacturers. Well, there you go. Uh, which is going to be interesting because we love Ben because he's yeah. a friend of the show, both shows, and, and he loves he loves. He to might see. not know he's a friend of the show, but he will be. No, he does. Soon. We've spoken to him. But but also <laughs> the other announcement, uh, and, and I look forward to hearing what he's up to because I want to see him in a, in a car that can actually take it to the field. Now, the other thing is is uh, the. Um, 
service park is going to be based down at Winyard Corner, down on the, the viaduct down there, which is going to be spectacular, I think. So it's going to be, that's going to be awesome to have that. And, you know, that's what WLC is all about. It's all about bringing the people in into you know a cool environments and be able to explore and understand and see the see the wow. cars up close and personal and then we're we're yet to hear about where the route is and where the where the stages are but you can imagine being based here there is some awesome roads and the one thing you can guarantee is the overseas drivers will be champing at the bit to and Hayden to confirmed New, that to New Zealand that absolutely he's the people he's talking to they cannot they just cannot wait to get here all righty this is so a huge Repco race control with McIver and Murph. Actually, we've got to talk. We haven't, you know what, we've forgotten already. We're going to talk supercars shortly and also IndyCar. But coming next here on Repco race control, tell us the official name of Repco Rally New Zealand Auckland on 8883, the temper text for deadline. And 0800-150811. That's what it is. But coming next, uh, a, a young kid on the rise. He loves his tin tops, Marco Giltrap, coming up on Repco race control. If you're into cars, get into Repco. Everything you need for your car this summer. You're listening to Race Control with Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver. This is Repco Race Control, and right now we start thinking about the local motorsport scene, and this weekend at the Topo Motorsport Park, it will be uh, round five of the 2886s, and the man currently sitting in fourth position, but has had a hell of a season, is young Marco Giltrap, who joins us right now, part of the Giltrap Group motorsport team, along with Simon Evans. G'day, Marco. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good, thank you. Mate, I was looking at your results uh, over the season so far, the four rounds, and, and one word comes to mind consistency would that be fair yeah i think over the whole season we haven't really had any um major dramas or instances so it's definitely helped us in the championship we've had a few slower rounds and also a few better rounds but overall i think we've had a a very good start when you look at the four rounds that you've raced it was actually the hampton downs round that probably let you down three eighths and a seventh what happened there yeah, I think we just missed the boat on the setup a little bit. Me and Simon both struggled. Um, luckily, we were able to rectify things coming into Pukekohe, and I think I think we're looking good for Taupo. What do you think it is about uh, you know the Pukekohe round? You know, a fifth and two seconds uh, that you were more comfortable with familiarity of the track in any way? Um, I definitely do enjoy Pukekohe, but I I haven't lapped any laps at Hampton Downs. I've done I've done a lot there, but um. Pukekohe is a super high commitment track and I really do enjoy that and there are also um, heaps of opportunities for overtaking. What is it that you love about hopping in a car and going fast and racing other guys and gals? Yeah, um, you get a bit of an adrenaline rush when you're in the car and obviously it's very nerve-wracking beforehand, um, especially being so early in my career, there's still a lot to learn. But um, I'm just enjoying every moment of it as we go. Well, well, you've had a hell of a career so far. Go back to June last year and you roll a McLaren into some concrete blocks because of things going wrong in the McLaren and then you have to rehab. How much of a, how much of a full stop did you think that was on your career? Um, well, at the, at the time, I wasn't too worried. I, I didn't think I had that many injuries, but as time progressed, it sort of took a bit longer to... Um, 
get back to full health. But you broke your back, didn't you? Sorry, you broke your back, didn't you? Yeah, I broke my back and my leg, so um, <laughs> it was pretty pretty major. Yeah, pretty but, major. Uh, the lockdown, yeah, the lockdowns happened at a pretty good time for me. It gave me a chance to rehab and then get back in the car before the season. What did it teach you about yourself having to go through that? Oh, I learned a lot, honestly. It was it's one of the major things that happened in my life. But um, you learn so much about through yourself and also um, just, just general things about the hospitals and um, about your body. Do, do, it's, it's been an incredible experience. Do, well, okay. I don't know if I'd use the word incredible, breaking your back and breaking your leg. But uh, <laughs> was there any point during your rehab that went, oh, I don't know if this is worth it, you know, I can get better, but I don't know if I, you know, did you get spooked? Yeah, yeah, there were times in the hospital sort of um, after the surgery that I was pretty down. You know, I, I, I had some incredible support around me um, and that certainly helped. But it, 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 things were looking pretty bleak. Um, when I could, I could um, even sit up, I was just sort of lying down in my hospital, hospital bed not being able to do anything. So support is one thing. Where or who did you reach out to to get you through those bleak times as you've described them? Obviously, my family were around me every day, and that was incredible. But I've also had, um, I've been talk- I talked to uh, Mark Weber, who's who's had some pretty pretty big injuries in his career um, during F one, and he he was um, super supportive. And obviously, my trainer, Alistair Wooten. Ah, oh, right, he, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I sorry, carry on. I was just, I went, yeah, uh, yeah. Alistair's a great guy. Yeah, no, he was awesome. Um, he's been helping with my rehab a lot, and my physio Murray Hing. He's been unbelievable, and without without the team around me, I would never been able to get back in the car. So we are referring to Mark Webber, Formula F one former F one driver, right? Yeah, that's so, correct. So, what was his advice, and 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 at what and at what period of your rehab did it come in? It was sort of um, when I got out of hospital because that, that's when the real rehab starts. Is when you sort of get out of hospital, as they don't give you a whole lot of guidance, so they sort of leave it up to you. Um, so there were just simple things to uh, consider. Like the main one is just um, bringing back the muscle that you've lost. Because obviously, lying around in hospital for two weeks, you do lose a lot of muscle. So it was super critical to get that back. You've got a pretty handy teammate in Simon Evans. Uh, Simon's been around the traps. We know. What are you learning from him? Um, I'm learning a lot of racecraft um, from him. Obviously, as I said, I'm pretty new, pretty new to the sport. So um, there's a lot to learn and. Getting through the field in those reverse grid races is pretty, pretty crucial to the championship points, and that's where I've really picked up the season. And I think I'm slowly starting to show him up a bit. See, Greg Murphy thinks you're one of the big improvers uh, in this 86 season. I mean, when you hear someone like Murph take notice about that, do, do you th- does it sort of validate what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, Greg's been around racing for a long time, and he certainly knows what he's talking about, so it's awesome to hear some support from him. Um, and I'm certainly happy with how I'm doing, but I'm, I know there's always room for, for improvement. So you know you know Topol very well. Uh, you've driven it in a McLaren. Have you done anything in an 86 in it yet? Yep. Obviously, we were there last season, and I, it was a pretty average round, but I've, I've done a few laps around there, and I'm, I'm pretty confident there, and I've been there since my crash, and there's no bad feelings towards yeah. it or anything. Oh, well, you're reading my mind. I mean, uh, how tough is it on tyres there? Yeah, that was actually one of the main contributors to the crash was the tyre degradation. And I think it's just the surface of the track just 
increases that degradation. But um, in an 86, it's definitely not as important. There's not a whole lot of looking after the tyres, but I've certainly learned a lot. The one thing we love about the 86 is, is the co- competitive nature of it and how, how close it is. What do you want to do after 86s? I mean, are you are you seriously thinking about being, you know, full-time race car driver if 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 you feel and those around you feel that you you're the go? That would be the ultimate goal. Um, the main goal is to finish off the season as strong as we can and then look for opportunities I think in the endurance championship that will start up pretty much as soon as the 86 series finishes. So that would be nice to get some laps in a slightly quicker car um, <laughs> around the around the New Zealand tracks because I didn't get much of a chance in the McLaren. There's, there's one thing about young race car drivers, you all want to go fast. I mean, you've, you've mentioned endurance championships, but there must be something that you really want to do. Yeah, I think going overseas would be awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm not too picky. America, Europe, Australia, they would all be awesome. But, um, I think we'll just have to wait and see what opportunities come to us. There's no, you, so you're not mentioning any specific formula at all. I mean, is there not one specific formula you'd like to have a crack at? I think um, ultimately GT cars would be awesome. I'm not built for single seaters. I'm pretty tall, so <laughs> I, mean, I would like to have a go on one. I've had a few laps in a Formula Ford, and it was awesome. But yeah, I think ten tops is, is where I'm at. Just just feels a bit safer, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> single seaters would be pretty crazy. I'm I'm obviously open to opportunities, and then as always, um, just one final thoughts. How are you qualifying at the moment? Yeah, qualifying's been going pretty good. Me and Simon are pretty even on qualifying um, to each other, so it's always a battle against your teammate. Um, but qualifying is pretty crucial, and to air 86, because it can be difficult to pass when the cars are so close. So I think that will be a pretty big defining factor at Calvo. Well, you're sitting in fourth position, and you're not out of the hunt, so uh, give it a good nudge this weekend, and there's one more round after that. Thanks, Marco. Thanks, Stephen. If you're into cars, get into Repco. Everything you need for your car this summer. You're listening to Race Control with Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver. Repco Race Control rolling for another Thursday here on SENZ and also on the SEN app in Australia as well. Uh, we cannot... We cannot move any further without talking about Texas Motor Speedway mm. and Scott McLaughlin losing, and I say losing because he lost the race by uh, less zero, than a tenth. Zero six six two uh, yeah. hundredths. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's, I no, mean, it's, it's it's such a tiny amount. It's l- ridiculous. Led the most laps, uh, is leading the championship, but more importantly, the way he controlled that race, he looked like a vet. Um. Yeah, and. We just shouldn't. I think I've said it before. We just shouldn't be surprised by that, to be honest. Well, but we, but we play I'm the not. card that everybody else plays, and that he's only a second-year yeah, Indy car driver who now, as openly says, I just love ovals. Yeah, yeah. And we thought, and we said this last year, didn't we? Didn't think he'd adjust so quickly, but man, he's adjusted like a duck to water. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it doesn't matter from here what the track is. I can tell you. I mean, last year he already proved how how quick he was going to be yep. it was just the qualifying that was a, a, a bit of a struggle and he's he so far um nailed that obviously had you know to be on pole 
Uh, ovals are a bit different. So on Pollock St. Petersburg, uh, you just, you know, the averages and how they manage and, and get the car, the car is so critical again on the super speedways with the aero and just the tiny little changes on the wings and stuff to get that little, little, yeah. little tiny bit more. I mean, they do it on, they did it there on a two lap average uh, at Texas Motor Speedway and, you know, he missed out on pole pot by point zero something of a mile an hour. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's so tight. But, you know, it, I just am so proud of what he's doing. I mean, I just, I mean, watching him um, achieve and set a new standard because he's setting a new bar. You know, all these, all these other guys that were the heroes and the future and the superstars and the blah blah blah. I just think it's awesome that he's just like <laughs> sneaking up behind and going, "You, you guys keep bloody taking all the limelight. I'll just uh, win races and I th- championships." I, I thought it was really good a comment made by one of the commentary team who have watched. Scotty race and supercars, and they said particularly when it was the with St. Pete, but now you can see it's it probably here. Hinch, probably. Is it? Is uh, it Hinch I, I don't know. And they said he is controlling races like he did in supercars. Oh, yeah. When he got to the front of the field, yeah. he was in total control. You can have as much doubt about him racing an Indy car versus a supercar, but the way well, he they, is racing, well, you can't have any doubt now. No, what I'm saying to you, know, I know no, that, no, no one I'm, can have any but, doubt. But what I'm saying is, it is in, it is incredible to watch and. You get confidence watching him when you're racing because you know, oh, okay, sit back and see how this one unfolds. But everybody else behind, you better you better work hard because you're not going to get past him. No, well, I don't even get Except past him. You've got to catch up first. I mean, that's the thing. Well, the no, Chevy, Chevy had the only the only bloke that caught up to him was his teammate, and and it was only because Scott got caught in the traffic and had to use a bit more tire, and 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 that's where that little bit of experience probably counted. And, and Joseph Newgarden did come out and said, well, at the end of the day, I mean, I've been here how many times? I think twelve or something times. He's been there, done that race. He goes, my experience over Scott in this situation is just so much more. It's like. You know, there really isn't a comparison. Um, that's not going to be, you know, suffice for Scott uh, McLaughlin. He's not going to live on that and go, oh, okay, well, these are, that's an excuse and a reason. He's not going to sit there and, and relax and take that by any means. He he will analyse. He will he will pull apart what he did there. Probably he'll probably pull apart the the whole two hundred and something odd laps, and and he will see what he can do better. And he will sit there and work it out and work it out and work it out until he's got every single little bit of information that he needs to make sure that it does not happen again. The, and he's and he does better. The one thing he will learn from this, and I think he's already indicated that he will become more mercenary, teammate or not. He will block next time to make sure he gets the win. Yeah, but also. Um, I, he, you can say that, and you can say that very easy. But also, when you are in the second race of the year, and the worst you're going to finish is second, um, you know you, you make decisions on the run. And we said this on Sky Speed on Tuesday. You, you've got so many decisions to make at 220, 30 miles an hour that, are, and you're covering that much ground that quickly um, that you know, you're not always going to make exactly the right one. And I think his brain is, is such that he's that smart when he's in a race car that he's computing and working all these things out. You want to be mercenary? Yeah, maybe next time you'll, you'll maybe move up the road a little bit more. But but you, you're still not going to put yourself or, or especially a teammate at risk and and get the wrath of uh, the team bosses. And, ne- and next week, or no, sorry, next time up, we've got Long Beach. And, yep. we, and we know what he's like. They're going to be great. And, and it's going to be, that's going to be a fuel save uh, race again. And he's worked that out. Um, you know, be a master at fuel saving. He wasn't a supercar. He will be. He already is in an Indy car, um, and qualifying will be key. So, I mean, that's the one where we, he's going to have to get it right again, and that'll 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 shape the weekend. 
I, I think the other interesting part of this, when we Andretti was talking about Formula One, and we've got Colton Herder now being signed to McLaren. I don't know what that's all about. Well, that's just a uh, that's uh, just uh, one of those things. That, you know, they missed out on that Sauber deal and the Andretti uh, that yeah. whole and Michael Andretti thing last year on the Sauber uh, Alfa Romeo deal. They missed out on that, and they, you know, Colton Herder is. It's important for US racing to have an American driver in Formula One, and he seems to be a guy that looks like he can do that. The whole thing with McLaren is just maybe an opportunity um, that gives them some seat time as a reserve because they don't have they've got a pool of reserves yeah. right including Oscar Piastri, Piastri as yeah. well um, so they're, they're just hedging their bets where I was heading with this one was I'd heard a whisper some time Ooh. ago that maybe Scott was a chance to get a test drive oh maybe I mean but do you think at 28 29 you're too yeah, late still to be, get into that it'd still be um, um, uh, information and also for anyone that is wondering what he could do in one of those cars what's the what's the big deal giving him a test just give yeah. him a test let him have a test yeah. you know and they stick know him who in a he car. is though. that's the interesting thing is because of these mm. exploits they know who world, he is the world motorsport world knows who, who he is there's not one there won't be there won't be one operation in in F1 that doesn't know who the hell he is you don't go and do what he's done at the start of the season without the, the entire motorsport world knowing. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all that he ends up in a, doing a rookie rookie yeah, test. I, I just find it hard to believe, really. I'm, I, and it, maybe it's a little bit naivety, but you know, you're talking about a kid that grew up. In yeah, your- but it's just F1. It's it's you know, this is this pedestal that we put F1 on, you know, and that's happened over the years and over the years. But you know, it's 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 you know, there's plenty of guys buying their way into F1. It, it's just yeah. cool that there's Kiwis yeah. getting opportunities like Liam and maybe you know maybe Scott. Who knows? Maybe he won't want to. Maybe it's just they don't care. Doesn't want to know about it. But if it's just a one-off, it's a test, just to you know, say you've done it. Stick your finger in the in the, you know in the warm water. Who you know who knows? But to the way he drives, man, I could see him winning F1 races. I just could. He he is a he is a whew. well yeah. Prima was it Prima? Prima um, uh, yeah, came Prima. out and yeah, said yeah. and said that he reckons he's as good as. As Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, his. Now, I mean, he's spent a lot of time. Alex has spent a lot of time with Scott over the years, his teammates and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he's and he's got he's got knowledge and understanding of the sport in a big way. So, if someone like that says that, then you know, you sort of listen. Repco Supercars this weekend. We're in Tasmania, Simmons Plain. Uh, this is a short track. Uh, where does the pressure come on all the teams in this one? Um, this is this is a really interesting little racetrack. I mean, it's two point what seven or something k's long. It's over in a heartbeat, and you hardly breathe. Fifty one sort of seconds qualifying. The entire field will be covered by six or seven tenths, probably, maybe less, maybe a little bit more. Who knows? But it's going to be well under a second. Um, you know, the the ability to deliver. Uh, you know, in longer racetracks where there's more corners, you know, you make a tiny mistake, you know, you don't lose necessarily the world, you know. It, it, it does have an effect on supercars because we know how close they are qualifying. But if you just you, – you break half a metre too early around Simmons Plains – then you're out the back door. I mean, it's just so tight, so so tight. Do you so, like that sort of racing? Like, it in the I used to enjoy it. I enjoyed Simmons Plains. It was it was full on. It really was full on. I mean, the pressure is on because, you know, you do a lap time and and you go, okay, that's pretty good lap time, and you're eighteenth and you're a tenth off being seventh, and you're like, what the? Yeah. You know, so that's the intensity of it, and you and you go, I need to find a tenth. You go, oh, well, how hard can that be? I'll try a little bit harder. You go two tenths slower. You know, I, you know. So working that out and and being in control of that is 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 a unique 
Uh, it's Pukekohe is a little bit like that. Pukekohe is is very short too, so you're down in the, you know, a, a pretty low lap time. But but Simmons is is the shortest of short. Yeah, and there, it'll be another big weekend for certain players. And Nick Perkett didn't have a very good first round. Uh, his teammate obviously did. Uh, you know, mossed it. I, I'd, but I got a feeling that mm. this could be the year for WAU, and I think Perkett will find his feet pretty quickly. Well, we spoke to Ryan Walkinshaw, didn't we, a few weeks ago after the Sydney Motorsport Park, and you know he's there. He's there because they believe in him, and, and Ryan's known uh, Nick for a very long time. He, he's driven for that team in the past. He won Bathurst, you know, with that team, um, and they've kept an eye on him. He's matured. He's changed. He's come a long way. He's learned a lot. Um, it, yeah, and and having a, a your first weekend, you want to come out the gate and you want to be good and you want to be solid yeah. and deliver for the team. It didn't quite work out that to- that that way. Move on. Let's get to the next one. He'll be good. He's going to come on. He'll be coming on strong. I'm I'm still I'm still uh, Erebus fan. Erebus fan, and I was a great. was a great. There's a great article on Speed Cafe this week about how those two young drivers are pushing their team. Yeah. And because of the, how they are interacting and performing, uh, th- they believe that, you know, Erebus will be a bigger player. Well, I love what Barry, Barry, Barry Ryan says. You know, I love him, I hate him. I, you know, I'm a fan. But, uh, you know, he goes, I think our boys have still got more they can learn and we've got to learn more about them. And we're really excited. There's no stopping us, really. Shane, Chaz, Anton, Will... They're not going to get any better. We've got to scope. We've got scope to get better. I don't want to sound like we're being too cocky or anything, but it's true. We've got the least experienced drivers in the pit lane. We can only go forward. Them's fighting words. Them's fighting words. Um, but that's great. He's got the right attitude and push, push, push. Um, Andre Heimgartner has been solid already in the season so far. Yeah, and uh, you know, and he, you know he how left, we doubted. A he left bit a fair bit on the table um, over the weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, just in, at, at the outright uh, the results in the end. I think which he'll be he'll which will give him confidence because he knows he, he's he has got the speed and things are there working for him quite well. He's just got to piece it all together and finish the job. What would you like me to ask SVG in the next hour? Um. Is he going to fiddle with his car after winning race one this weekend at, uh, at uh, Tasmania like he did last year and then go backwards? Ask him that question. Yeah, they don't like talking about fiddling with their cars, do they, Tim? No. Who wins? Who wins? Uh, uh, I think I think he's going to be fast. I think he's going to be at the front of the field. Um, is he going to win all three races? Don't know. Um, I just think I'm looking forward to the, the fight. I think I've said this at the beginning of the <laughs> season as well because I don't want to put I don't want to put a finger on it. And, and how can you right now? I mean, he was very good at Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen, and the recovery in the second race after being off the road was a yeah, typical right. sublime SVG. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm sure he's not going to think that he's going to walk this one in. All right, I miss you already, but you've got to go and make some That's money that lie. you're taking off me uh, to work for Repco Rally. New Zealand Auckland that's a yep. hell of a name and if you, if you can tell us that on double three, then you go on the draw to win the Repco beer pong table Mitch Repco Evans Repco everywhere man mm, that, well, that's, that's why this is Repco race control baby mm. Mitch Evans is in the house next day with us this is Repco race control if you're into cars get into Repco everything you need for your car this summer want to know your apex from your brake bias this is race control with Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver Oh my goodness, this is Race Control, Repco Race Control with Stephen McIver. Greg's now gone off to do what he said he was going to do, but actually he told me a wee fib. Okay, I just found out he's not actually going to do things with... um, 
Rally New Zealand. He's actually doing something with uh, the launch of GT7, Gran Turismo 7. It is what it is. But anyway, that's not important anymore because we have a special guest in the house who can do this. Bring it home is the message to Mitch Evans for him and for Jaguar. Mitch Evans through the final corner to win the Romy Prix for Jaguar. Yeah, I, I think that's what he does, and he joins us now. But are you going to scream like that, Mitch Evans? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, great intro. <laughs> <laughs> that was my engineer, actually. <laughs> Just to clear that up. <laughs> that, was, that was 2019, pal. It's, it seems like forever ago. I know. I know. It was my first ever Formula E win. It was a special – honestly, that was a very, very special time in my life. So um, first win for me, for Jaguar. Um, and formally, so it was yeah, it was a special moment. So thanks for bringing that those memories back. Oh, up. Mate, mate, well, we talked we talked earlier this week on uh, Sky Speed, and and I get I get the impression you're quite an emotional sort of bloke. I just got that feeling about it. Now we because we talked about your FT40, uh, the way you won the Toyota Racing Series twice, right? And you, your dad's turned into a, a boardroom table, which is amazing in his man cave. And I want to go back over that. Because I got, I thought you were going to shed a tear from him, and I'm not being disrespectful. I thought, man, this this means a lot to you. Is it is it the car, the racing, or just having the ability to do what you can do? It's probably a mixture of everything. Um, and to be honest, since I've been in Europe, I've been in Europe for ten years. Sorry, eleven years now. Because um, yeah, you don't sound like a Kiwi anymore. Got to give you that. You know what? I don't know what it is though. I'm trying to figure it out. What I have it? no idea what your accent is. Neither. <laughs> I think it's a nothing accent. It's just I'm just uh, accent of the world. You oh know? wow! Nice comeback. <laughs> um, I think it's a mixture because look, I've been in Europe for quite a few years now. Um, that car was the last car I raced before I went to Europe, and I achieved quite a bit of success with that. Um, and that's sort of when I look back. I mean, every element of my career has always been very important to go, you know, to achieve certain success, to be able to get funding and and the confidence to go to the next step. But that was the last step I went, you know, I I, I needed to really achieve before I went to Europe and got the support by a lot of great backing, like the Guildtrap family, like Mike Morton, um, mm. you know, companies like Banklink, um, you know, many other companies that supported me. Um, and it was off the back of that championship, the first one in 2010. And then I went to win the second championship and, and uh, Moto Cup like multiple times, the Grand Prix. So it's just um, – and that car is the most winning FT40 hmm. um, in the history. So it just – yeah, it was great that my dad um, purchased the car now that they don't run that generation car anymore. And, yeah, just seeing it just – and that livery and, and actually – because we'll set up my dad's new man cave that he's mm. created with all our trophies. It's amazing. I, I just, I kind of forgot, um, you know, what we've achieved. And, you know, that just brought back a lot of emotion, seeing all my trophies. And, and how, old, how old are you now? 27. Wow, and you're talking like you're, you're 50 or 60, <laughs> you know? I, honestly, I feel like I'm in my 40s. You, you know, you you know, it reminded me of something. And just talking to you now about it, I remember going when your dad had the panel beaters, right? And I remember going there and he had go-karts, a couple of go-karts everywhere, right? And he had a full-time mechanic for you guys. And it just struck me that I went, hang on, I'm talking to this, I'm talking now to this this young man who was knee-high to a grasshopper back then. And the effort that your family put in, people don't realize that, do they? I mean, you were very fortunate, let's be blunt, you know, dad could was able to have a mechanic and and he, I think he had a he had a, a te, uh, engine testing machine, the whole nine yards. 
Yeah. But to see where you are now, you suddenly realize how much people have given and invested in you for all the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating. You know, it all goes back to the go-kart days when, um, I mean, I was very lucky that I've had a dad in motorsport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think motorsport's quite a unique sport from the sake that, you know, it's you need, you need your family into it, you know, while oh, yeah. you're a kid. Because it's not a natural sport to jump into. Obviously, a natural sport is, um, you know, footy, soccer, tennis, golf mm-hmm. or something, you know, that's a more of a natural progression um, where, you know, motorsport's quite a left of field sport to get your kid into. So first of all, I was very lucky. My dad was already into it, very successful, knew and understood the sport, which again is another real key element to, I think, my success is because he understood the sport. He understood what I, what was needed f- to give me the best opportunity. Um, I think another reason why he got a mechanic is because he didn't trust me with the tools. Because <laughs> honestly, me with the tools is a disaster. Oh, okay, so this is an interesting point that we have to raise now. So are you a race car driver that can fix the car? Are you a race car driver that is technically savvy? Or do you say, I'll just drive the race car because I'm naturally really good and I'll listen to what you're saying? So with actual tools in my hand, horrendous. And I've, <laughs> I've got me, no, no qualms. Feeling. I've got, <laughs> I've got no, no qualms of saying it. Um, yep. Obviously, back in the day, you know, racing drivers used to make, you know, you know maintain their own cars and, and get, you know, their hands dirty. I don't mind getting my hands dirty, but it's just I'm a liability with the tools. So my dad learned from an early stage keep to Mitch, not trust me with keep, with the kit. Yeah, keep Mitch out just, of there. Just, just tell me the feedback from what the cart's doing. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm very good with feedback and, and technically I'm very good with what I need from a cart or a car. Um, and obviously driving it, I'm okay. So my brother, on the other hand, was a lot better with the tools. And Simon's Simon. Simon's a lot better, He's yeah. He's better with the tools? Compared to me, yeah. Wow. Which I'm not setting the bar very high. Let's, but, um, let's, be, <laughs> let's be done. I know Simon. He doesn't look like a guy with, with, good with the tools, but we'll leave no, it he's there. Not, he's not bad, to be fair. He's not bad. And the thing is, my dad, because we're both racing at the same time, it's yeah. too much my dad. So my dad used to sort of look after my cart. And then the other – so we had a full-time mechanic that used to look after Simon's cart because, yeah. just because it was a little bit easier to manage for, for my dad. So – um <laughs> Yeah, but when you go to when you, then you look at the you know Europe and how the European go karting, it's a whole new scale. Yeah. Like it's just like it's like F one on a, yeah. little, a mini version of F one. Yeah, yeah, that's it's that insane. competitive. That much money being you know on a, on in context, lots of money being thrown into it. Oh, some of these families are spending two hundred thousand euro plus a year on on one on, cart, on one son which, or one daughter. Look, I can't remember what we spent in, in New Zealand, but it was it was a quarter of that. You know. Um, oh and goodness. even that was probably a lot of you know yeah. high budget. So um, let's say relative terms, New Zealand, yeah, I had a good good opportunity. Um, but on a global scale, you know, it's just we can't compete with that. What was it like going into open wheel in Europe? How much of a shock was it to be on the grid and have to compete? It was. Um, I knew it was going to be difficult, uh, just because you know it's it's the let's say the pinnacle of single seater racing. Um, but I was full of confidence, so I, I was going there with one one sort of goal, and that was to try and you know shake you know shake the um, shake the tree, yeah, shake the tree, and 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 I was coming off the back of you know quite a bit of success in New Zealand, so I thought I was I thought I was the man, but I think I had to have that approach because it was so much more well, it was it was more difficult than I was expecting. Um, I, I was able to win my first race in Europe, you know, in GB3, which which was a quite a, sorry my second race um, 
in GP3 against, you know, guys like Bottas and, you know, very well-established drivers that have gone to do really great things. I was only 16, so... But I had to go in with this mentality that I thought I was the best because otherwise you just get absolutely eaten up over there, especially in a, in a competitive field like GB3. It's 30 cars. Um, everyone's split by just, you know, tenths, mm. half a tenth. So, um, and I got pole by like one thousandth of a second and I managed to win the race. But it was, but then from there, you know, obviously you, it's a bit of a roller coaster. You know, it's, it's not smooth like that every every race. It's, it's pretty... Um, it's really demanding, and uh, yeah, it's, it just I got a few wake up calls along the way. So, um, but yeah, but the next year I was able to win the championship, so it all turned out okay. But it didn't hit where you wanted it to hit, did it? I mean, obviously, the winning the GP three championship was massive, which then gave me the the funding to go to GP two. And that GP two year, which was in two thousand thirteen, was was the year I had to you know, really stamp my authority and, and it was the most important year of my life and my career to try and, you know, achieve my dreams of getting to, to Formula One. And unfortunately, you know, just, I got a podium in my first race, which was great, but then, and I got a few other podiums throughout the year, I got four podiums, but just not enough, like, big results to, let's say, get the attention of, 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 of the, um, of, of, you know, Bigger, bigger teams yeah, or F1 right. teams. I mean, so to, so then money becomes an issue, right? I mean, because, you know, yeah. let's, let's be blunt. If if you're not being cherry-picked by some of the key teams as a driver they will to employ, you've got to find the coin, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and look, I think I could do – I wish I could do some things differently. Um, I was approached by Red Bull to be part of their junior team in 2012, which we turned down, um, which, look, if I go back now, would I would have taken that offer up? Yes. Potentially, <laughs> potentially. Um, there's a few factors behind the scenes that I can't really talk about. That's yeah, the reason why we, we didn't go down that route. Um, and the other one was I had another team to choose from to go to GP2, which was Dams, who mm-hmm. were the previous champions. They were a little bit more expensive, and I was very tight on, on the money that we could raise. Um, but I ended up going with a team I won GP3 with in GP2 to, you know, just that loyalty and, and then have a bad year the previous year. But it just didn't work out. Um, I was meant to test a Red Bull that year. Uh, I got sort of, uh, let's say, um, someone leapfrogged me, uh, which was really hard to take. And then, yeah, then it just sort of was tricky because I, I didn't have funding to go for the next year. So I ended up going with a team called Russian Time. Yeah, I remember it well. And uh, I got a f- I got two free years out of them, uh, which was able you know which is, finish which fourth, is, which is mega. With because people got to realise it's. I mean, let's be blunt. Financing an F two drive because let's let's just put in context having two free years in GP two. How yeah. much? Oh, let's just make it easy. How much did that save you having to raise three million euro? So about six million dollars yeah. there. Are we yeah. we double it now, or is it? No, not quite. But okay, let's say five. It saves you five million dollars. Yeah. So after the two years, <laughs> yes, which is it's just, just mind blowing, isn't yeah, it? It was silly. It's you know when you think and it's about it's one of the best team. You know, like Russian Time was a solid team, but to go with the best team, you're looking at two million euro. So yeah. um, I mean, I didn't I didn't have the budget in the first year to go with ART. Even Dams was a bit of a stretch, but I did. It was a slight mm. possibility. But you know, Arden, I got money for winning the GP3 championship. That went straight into into my into my budget for for GP2. But I got a very, I got a very good deal for my first GP2 year. And then yeah, then after that, I had to, you know, I was very lucky to be in a position that I could not have to find the money. I wasn't with the best team, but it was it was with a team that 
provided me, I, I was able to achieve five wins with them. Yeah, well, um, that's you know that's still saying something, Mitch. Yeah. You know, you can't knock yourself about over that because you said you know I made say, the most of the situation. I would say, but um, didn't didn't did, you couldn't just crack the the egg that you wanted to when you when you're in that position where you're going, you know, the dream is F one, but you can't quite get there. Um, it's uh, it's it's a dark place. It's a dark place, um, and I was. It probably took me to like end of 2014 to actually really realize it was not going to happen. Obviously, f- 13 was was a dark year because I was I had to come in with a bang. It didn't happen. I had a really solid year in 14. I, got, I finished fourth in the championship, got multiple wins, a lot of podiums, mm. but not enough to go on pure merits. If I had money, like it would have been pretty straightforward. But I mean, if you okay, so so if you look at your yourself as a driver at that period, and if you'd had money, right? Would you have won more races and a better team? For sure. You, know, you, you were that confident in your own ability. Yeah. Because I think you have to be, right? Otherwise, you will get chewed up and spat out. Yeah. I, look, I've got full belief that I was in a different different situation. I would have, you know, I could have eased, not, I could have fought a lot. Yeah, you would have been more competitive and probably at the front of the field a lot more, yeah. opened a few more eyes and things might have just unfolded. For sure. So, the, so someone tells me it's a really bad thing to have regrets. Do you have any regrets about that period in your yeah. career? Yeah. You do? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. So, okay, making the decisions maybe not to go for another team, this, that, and other. But in your own heart, you drove the, as best as you could. So you didn't let yourself down. It was circumstance. Yeah. Honestly, to be totally honest, and I, I feel like I'm, I, I, I've got quite an open mind when it comes to these things, um, I, I left everything out there, yeah. like, and I, I destroyed all my teammates in the same equipment. And that's when things don't go right, you have to look at your comparison to your teammate because they're the ones with the same equipment as you. Um, destroyed all of them, and look, it just wasn't quite enough. It was close, but just not enough. And do I have regrets in terms of the team I maybe chose in 13? Yes, but did I give my absolute best? 100%. So what can you do, right? Yeah, I mean, how did you get yourself out of the dark place? Did you have family? Um, yeah, it was, family. It was uh, a tricky friends. time. I mean, did, I mean, was it really dark? I mean, did yeah, you, yeah. I, I mean, was, I, and I, okay, let's be blunt because blokes talk about a lot of stuff stuff right now. We, did you get a point where there's a little bit of depression coming in? Yeah, and to be honest, it's not really something I've spoken about openly. And ever, you really, and, mate, you don't have to either. No, 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 I don't mind. I mean, I'm in a good place now, so yeah. it's, it's okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was borderline depressed. Um, because, you know, especially when I did my fourth year of GP2, which was a bit of a just a... Yeah, here we go again. Yeah, I, I you know, I knew it was all over. Um, it was with a team that I knew I was not going to be competitive with, but I was I was actually getting paid to race that year. And I didn't really know what the hell I was going to do after that. And then I I got a bit of a lifesaver. I, I, got, I got thrown a lifeline with Formula E and with, uh, again, a call from Jaguar that they were coming back to motorsport. Um, after their spell in F1, then a bit of a drought out of the sport. Um, and I was sort of starting to look at Formula because, you know, the guys there were starting to make some good money and guys that I, I knew that I raced against in GP2 or GP3 mm-hmm. were in the championship and some good names. So I, th- I started just taking a little bit of interest and then just out of the blue, I got a call from, or my management got a call from Jaguar that they were looking for drivers. Okay, hold that thought because we're going to talk about Formula E in just a moment. Just quickly before we take our first break, uh, just a reminder, this is Mitch Evans, Formula E Jaguar works driver in Formula E, uh, managed by, at, for a while, 
by ex-Formula One driver Mark Webber, correct? Yeah, correct. So I signed with Mark end of 2010. Still with him now? Still with him now, yeah. Oh, okay. And does that open doors because of who he is? Um, Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely to a degree, yes. Um, And, you know, Mark knows the sport inside out, so he's got a lot of credibility. You know, a lot of people got a lot of respect for him. Um, So, yes, definitely, definitely helps. It must be pretty scary being a young kid uh, away from home uh, and and the dark place coming on. So, did you? I have to ask this question because it's it's a subject in this country that doesn't get dealt with, and guys don't talk a lot about it, right? Did you seek out professional help to get yourself in the right space? Um, not so much, no, no. But you listened and, and went to the right people to work yourself through it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I probably could have seeked more help. To be honest, I was a bit too proud, and that's a mate. It's a bloke thing. There's yeah. nothing to be ashamed about there. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and I was trying. To, I was just trying to deal with it on my own in different ways. And um, yeah, it was. It was, doesn't work. Huh? You got to ask it's, someone. It's tricky. Yeah, and it's probably I've seeked help later in my later like, years, but yeah. um, a little bit too late. But never too late, mate. Because yeah. if it was too late, you wouldn't be here. Let's be blunt about yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're in your happy place right now. We'll talk about the happy place, which is Formula E with Mitch Evans here on Repco Race Control. Don't forget his mate too. And I think I'm going to bring his brother as well, Simon, because they, they can have a little mates reunion. Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, current champion of uh, Repco Supercars, coming your way around 8:30. Stick with us. What's the difference between Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver? One's good looking, the other has won four Bathurst One Thousands. Race Control on SENZ. Ah! This is Repco Race Control with Stephen McCarver, special guest in studio, Mitch Evans. And Mitch, uh, Tony's just texted us in on our Timber Bedpost text line on double eight double three. says, mate, great interview with Mitch. I wasn't aware of all the struggles he'd faced. Good on him for owning it. He has my backing. You see? Thank you. It's okay to talk about it. That's the That's the most important thing. So let's talk about Formula Uh, as Merv calls it. (laughs) Formula Uh. And I know you and I had a little bit, we had a bit of a discussion because, you know, I'll, I'll be blunt with you. I struggle with it. But we won't worry about what ice wire struggle with it. How did it come about, and why did Jaguar, a big brand, ring Mitch Evans? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm not. I'm, actually, I'm not sure. Oh, you must do. I mean, <laughs> if your, your manager did your manager have? Oh, your manager had a relationship. He drove for Jaguar, he right? Did, he did. Mark, so does that, does that? We talk about relationships. Um, it's a completely different team. <laughs> <laughs> and names the same. That was when Ford owns yeah, yeah. Jaguar, and now it's Tata. But. Um, <laughs> Obviously, it helps because I did contact yeah, Mark. Right. Um, so that, how it came about? Um, I was I was in the UK and I got a call from Mark saying, "Look, because um, I, I was actually uh, about to do one race in Formula E, just a one-off, and um, it didn't happen." And but then you know, it was sort of half looking at it, and then got a call from Jaguar saying, "Look, we're looking at drivers." And Mitch is on the short list of of the drivers that we're looking for. Um, would Would you guys be wanting to do an evaluation and you know, to 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 obviously go for the race seat. They've got once they've got one seat available, and they got I think three or four drivers they're evaluating. And I thought, shit, okay, let's 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 give this a go. So I did evaluation at uh, Donington, um, which is a track I've never been to, um, <laughs> and a car I've never driven. Uh, was it a, was was it a Formula E? Yeah, what? so a Formula E car. Oh, yeah, gosh, okay. yeah. It was like sort of like an official test, but all the other cars. So Adam Carroll, my my first teammate, was already signed up, 
and I was going up against uh, Alex Lynn and another driver called Harry Tinknell. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the, the the test went really well. Um, it was the car is was really different to drive because it was the first time I'd driven the electric car and um, the Formula e car. And there's so many, and the team's brand new, so we'll you know that they were still f- learning how the car operates and. You know, they were trying to give as much information to me to try and get up to speed, and it took a long time. Um, it was really tricky because there's a lot of elements to Formula E to drive the car. You know, you got fast run, you got energy saving, you got different power levels, and etc. So, yeah. So, long story short, um, got the call up. I remember I was I was in uh, I was racing at Monza that weekend um, in GP2, and I was in my hotel room, and I got the call from Mark saying that they um, they want you, they want me. The contract came through that day. I instantly went to the page where my salary was <laughs> to see how much they uh, were gonna were gonna pay me. And was it better than you expected? Um, it was it was pretty. With, it was when, okay. when, when you took Mark's percentage off, yeah, which always hurts, <laughs> which was half. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not quite half, but it hurts. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's got your job right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then. Um, yeah, and uh, so it was quite a big moment, you know, finding my, you know, signing my f- first ever professional contract. So, um, and then since then, it's just been a crazy journey with with you know one of the biggest brands in the world, being an ambassador for them, being a um, a works driver for them, has been really special. And the team's just gone from strength to strength, and I've been fortunate, I've been part of that journey from the start. You're not going to be James Bond, though. I saw that promo. Don't know if you can, do you pull off the James no, Bond. No, I'm not an actor at yeah, all. Yeah, well, it would be fair to say, no, you're not. It's eight twenty six. We've got to Thanks. get to. <laughs> we're honest here, right? We're open and honest. Yeah, I, I, I can't act either. Don't worry about that. Eight twenty six. We're going to have to take a quick break because we've got to catch up with Shane Van Gisbergen out of Tasmania. Want to know your apex from your brake bias? This is Race Control with Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver. Thirty-one on Repco Race Control. The Thunder is back this weekend in Repco Supercars and the Tasmania Super Sprint. The defending champion of the whole shebang is one SVG Shane Van Gisbergen for Red Bull Ampol Racing. He joins us right now from Tasmania. G'day, mate. Thanks for giving us your time. No worries. How's it going there? It, it is good. I got a, I got a friend of yours who who wants to say hi. G'day, bro. Hey, mate. I'm jealous of you right now. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, I haven't been home for well over a year, so can't wait to get back there. Mate, when do you think you'll get the chance to come home and see see everybody? Uh, I think May, probably May. I'll try and duck over for a week or two, but um, yeah, nothing nothing planned yet. God, that it seems like an age. What is it? A year and a half, or even longer? Or did you get the way? Oh no, you had the, the Grand Prix. That was that was probably the last. Yeah. Was that the last time? Yeah, the week after the Grand Prix, I flew back. That's right. Yeah. Hey, so uh, how are you looking for? How are you looking this weekend? Oh, pretty good, I think. It's a, it's a track we like, track we go good at, and a track I enjoy. It's quite simple on paper with only three corners, really. But um, when when you're qualifying and you're fighting for hundredths rather than tenths, it's pretty cool 
trying to get the most out of it. So I don't I don't mind this track at all. Well, I thought it had seven corners because you posted on your Instagram feed when you were promoting your uh, was it an HP laptop or whatever what? yep. that it had seven corners, but there was only three and they were all left. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think they just put seven to make it more exciting, but there really is only three corners that are worth lap time. So uh, Murph, Murph has asked me to give you a question because he's out doing something else tonight. He said, I quote, ask Shane, is he going to fiddle with his car after race one like he did last year and went backwards? <laughs> yeah, it's rich coming from him because he always went shit at this track. So. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said he liked that track. Mind you, that doesn't say he was actually good at it. Because I asked him the question yeah. uh, in, in the first hour, Shane, uh, how much pressure on, as you talked about, getting at 100s, but is it a constant pressure at a track that has such a short lap time? Yeah, you've got to get everything right, you know, because as it is, only three corners, it's less opportunity for other people to make mistakes as well. So, yeah, I, I find it really critical. And the slipstream's worth so much as well because there's quite long straights to each end of the track. But then again, in racing, normally you can pass people as well if you have a tyre difference here. Mm. So um, the way the hairpin is has a really awkward line where you've got to go quite wide to um, get, get the best line through the corner, which leaves the inside really open. So... Yeah, it does does make good racing as well. So you've got a new teammate this year, Brock Feeney. We, we've spoken to him, but we haven't spoken yep. to you about it. Uh, how has he bedded in after the first weekend and, and now the you know full-time member of the team? Yeah, he went pretty well at his first one. He made the shootout both both days, which was, which was awesome. And um, it's where I sort of hoped he would be. And then in racing, you know, as expected, he sort of got pushed around a bit by all the established guys, so... That's just going to come with experience, I think. Um, but, yeah, really young, enthusiastic, and, you know, he's, he's fast too, which is what matters. Yeah, fast too are the guys that are starting to hunt you down now, uh, and WAU seem to have maybe finally got it together. Oh, yeah, but I don't, don't just look at them, I guess. You know, they had a good first round, but... There's, there's so many quick guys, man. You can't just look at one person. But, well, I, was, I wasn't expecting I that answer, Shane. I thought you were, like, dismissing them. You're not nervous about it. I know there are other quick guys out there, but from a team perspective, yeah. I mean, you must look at them and go, okay, they're starting to get it together. I guess so, but I don't really... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Let's see if they turn up this weekend, but I'm sure they'll be good, but... As oh, I said, I, you can't you can't forget about everyone else. Oh mate, I love that. I love your attitude, mate. And, I, and, I, and I'm not taking the Mickey yeah. out of here because I, I love it. It's such a competitive <laughs> attitude. Who else? Okay, so if we forget about WAU and you're looking at other quick drivers, who do you keep your eye on? Oh, myself. I just do my own thing. But there's probably I don't know ten guys more than that who can genuinely win races this year. Like that's pretty awesome. I think like if everyone gets it right on their day, there's probably ten guys. But you know, two can be there getting podiums on the bad days and stuff is what's going to make the difference. And I hope, I hope that's where we do better. Hey, what did you think of the 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 news at the weekend that the the politician that said if he won the South Australian election, he'd bring back Adelaide? And it looks like Adelaide's coming back as a season ender. <laughs> Probably the only time I've ever hoped Labor would win an an election. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I think. Um, the Adelaide race is epic. Like, everyone loves that one. No one speaks bad about it. And um, it was a real shame to miss that race. And as a season opener, like, the hype and the 
you know, the anticipation for that race was always huge. So, yeah, I, I really hope it does does happen and we and we do race there, whether it's the end of this year or start of next year. Um, I, I can't wait because I always love that race. All right, so I'm trying to I'm trying to create somewhat of a reunion tonight because you're on the show. Yeah. Uh, I've got another friend of yours who's on the phone. Can, uh, who's on the line, please? He might know me as Lenny. <laughs> I've, <laughs> yeah. I've Good got. I've got Lenny on the line. Am I allowed to know why you're called Lenny? Oh, you can't say that. But no, that's no, Simon Evans. Yeah, okay, brother of Mitch Evans. How are you, Simon? Gearing up for the uh, another round of the two hundred eighty sixes? Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, down in Taupo. So practice tomorrow and qualifying one race today and two races on Sunday. And how's your little car looking? Um, it's looking nice and shiny at the moment. Um, hopefully. Uh, had a few parts change, and we should hopefully be on, on pace. We've uh, had a few reliability issues so far this year. We did have a nice little lead, but we've dropped back to second in the points. But that's okay. Two rounds to go. Still wide open. Okay, so Simon, this like for you could be a mini audition, you know, because Murph didn't turn up for the second hour tonight, you know, and your, your brother can't hang around. Can you ask Shane Van Gisberg in a, a sensible motorsport question about this weekend in Tasmania? Yeah. Um... If, um did you? No, it wasn't this round where you obviously had your, your broken collarbone. But um, obviously, uh, how do you think your starts are going to go this weekend? You, obviously, that's uh, you've been doing for ten years and haven't quite got them nailed yet. <laughs> well, I like tracks like this because it's only a hundred meters to the first corner, so I normally only lose one or two at tracks like this. Do you want to ask a follow-up question? This is what you have to do in broadcasting. You have to ask a, a follow-up question, Simon. <laughs> Yeah, 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 well, it's good, you know. It'll be, it'll be nice not having to look in your mirror for a medical car, you know, to turn one, which would be a good change. But, um, no, obviously, uh, the, um, the, you know, obviously quite interesting, but obviously Walkinshaw carried on their pace. They struggled last year at Sydney Motorsport Park and um, obviously had their, their big form at Bathurst, which obviously, and they, but then they carried that through to sort of S&P. Do you think they'll be able to carry that through to... Tasmania, because it's quite a different track to the previous two. I've got no idea, mate. Yeah, and, and you know what, you know what, Shane, that's the that's the answer that question deserved, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, okay, look, Shane, <laughs> I'm going to leave it there, Shane. I know you're busy. I, I know. I, I, I'm assuming though that I the guess people find out, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, they'll find out, figure yeah. it out. The, the, the Tas people of Tasmania is pumped about supercars being there. Yeah, it's been really cool. Actually, we did a signing session earlier tonight and yeah like obviously we raced here last year but everything was so restricted with the fans and stuff so this year it was cool go out and meet some people and then I think they've still got restricted crowd numbers unfortunately for the weekend but at least we'll have some people on the hill which would be cool so yeah, I hope I hope we put on a good show and people enjoy it. Well, I know when I say eyes forward for you that's everything about it so eyes forward mate and the best of luck this weekend. No, thank you, thank you. All right, SVG. And uh, Lenny, you can stay on the line for a moment. That is Simon Evans, uh, brother of Mitch Evans. Um, what was it like? What's it like having your bro home, Simon? Yeah, it's always really nice. You know, we were obviously, it was cool to travel together sort of a few years ago, but obviously it's, you know, it's been pretty tough for him to not be able to get home. Um, so we, we've had some, done some really cool stuff. You know, we went to the far north last weekend and, did some cool family stuff which you don't really get to do um, you know, any day so 
it's, um, it's no, we've really enjoyed it. Had some good time together so far. Uh, and now I believe congratulations, Aurora. You're uh, on on route to being a father. Yeah, thank you, mate. Yeah, life's changing, you know. Um, so yeah, no, I can't wait. You know, it's seven odd weeks to go, and lucky I'll just get a great time because the racing season for the eighty six finishes, uh, and then a couple of weeks later is the due date. So. I uh, got some timing right there. All right. Well, it's eight forty-one. As a father, you'd probably be really tired right now. So I'm going to let you go, so you can get your nine eyes, Justin. So you can get used to that. And I'll see a we, Mitch, and I will see you in Taupo this weekend. Yeah, mate. Great. Looking forward to see you. All right, Simon Evans, brother of Mitch. We'll talk more to Mitch about Formula E in just a tick here on Repco Race Control. If you're into cars, get into Repco. Everything you need for your car this summer. You're listening to Race Control with Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver. Eight forty-five. This is Repco Race Control with Stephen McIver. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Is the number of the temper bed post text line is double eight double three. We are talking to Mitch Evans, works driver in Formula E for Jaguar. Jaguar. Uh, so when you finally get the contract, you go, "Wow, I'm going to be a, a an FE driver. I'm going to be a works driver, but I'm going to have to learn a whole new way of racing." How hard was the change? Oh, it was so hard. It was so, so difficult. Tell me, tell me you hopped in and said, I really wish that would make some noise initially. <laughs> <laughs> it was bizarre because I came from the GP2 car, which is was a screaming V8. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, a lot of torque, a lot of, a lot of power, a lot of downforce, a lot of grip. It's basically an F1 car, right? So um, I came from that to a full electric um a uh, car that was basically was zero downforce road tires, weighed heavier than the GP2 car. And this is the Gen One, right? The Gen One car, yeah. yeah. Um, so actually, a lot of times when I when, during my evaluation day, I was getting wheel spin. I didn't even know I was getting wheel spin because I f- I didn't realize how much we rely on RPM to indicate we got wheel spin. Obviously, you can feel it. But you know, if, if um, you know, obviously we we we're very sensitive to picking up wheel spin. But a lot of that, a lot of that sort of reference comes from the RPM increase, you know, or spike of RPM that we get. So I, I couldn't believe it was quite hard to pick up when you got like you know micro wheel spin or anything like that because you couldn't really have a, a sort of indication um, through like a, a you know a, through the, through your ears or that type of um, reference, which is quite. Quite, Does feel become a greater sense? It's more feel. And then you start to pick up um, different sort of RPM notes within the electric motor after you get more experience with it to, to so you can actually understand um, or, or you know, start to anticipate the, the wheel spin. So that was that was really tricky to, to begin with. So um, there's so many aspects of Formula E that is so different to other categories. It's still a race car, obviously. Um but there's just many different sort of aspects. You've obviously got, uh, you know, different power modes, so you have to practice all them because um, the ones you're qualifying a different power mode compared to what you race in. And then the energy management. So basically the philosophy behind Formula is that we race, we start the race with not enough energy to finish. So we're going to try and create uh, the most efficient strategy to make it to the finish by lifting cosine and regenerating the energy. Uh, okay, and a lot of that energy regeneration, I am assuming, comes from braking. Um, not, oh, not, no, not, no. I mean, yes, a lot of it comes under braking. But actually, we've got um, this. Uh, it's quite cool. It's, it's we've got a pedal on the steering wheel that recovers a hundred percent energy. 
So it's it's pure 100% regen. So we, we of do, the whole battery. Yeah, no, of of the electric motor that when it yes. basically when it goes backwards to recover the energy. Yes, yes. we recover that um, 100% of it goes back into the battery. When you use the brakes, you lose a little bit of it through the braking system. So it still recovers a lot of energy, but we try and use that manual regen paddle as much as possible. Um, so how many times you're flicking a paddle per lap to every corner? Every corner on on and during the race, yes. During qualifying, we 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 don't we only use the brakes. We don't use this region paddle. Yeah. Um. But during the race, we're we're basically recovering energy as as, as much as possible every single corner. It, it, it's still racing, but did, did you did it take a while to get your head around that style of racing and what you were having to do differently in the cockpit? Yeah. Yeah. It took a long time. Um. It probably took a good season to really get on top of it, because, um. It's 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 quite hard to because strategy is a lot different. Um, you know the the art of trying to get on top of you know uh, on energy on other drivers to have a better advantage or to sort of lift in different areas to be more defensive or attack better. Because obviously you got to time your passes really, really smartly because you could you know not lift off during the straight and you know go flat out into the corner. And burn up a lot of energy and try and overtake, or you can do the exact same approach and not overtake, and you just burn up all this energy and not made any track position. So um, it's a bit of an art to it. Um, a lot of it comes from mid corner speeds. You know, high mid mid corner speeds always produces um, you know a very efficient sort of way of, of driving these cars. Um, but that obviously comes down to the balance you've got. So um, yeah, it's it's like a it's like a real it's almost like a high speed game of chess. That's probably the best way of describing it because, you know, you've only got a certain amount of times where you can actually attack and and pass because of the limited energy that we've got to race with. Um, so then you got to you can't be greedy with your energy. With all that in mind, with all that in mind, how competitive is it on a race day as it was in GP two and GP three? I mean, I would say in the depth of talent in, in oh, Formula E oh. is 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 probably the the most competitive field in the world. Um, I would say, um, and that's not me, me being biased. That's just looking at the at the at the yeah, yeah. In, entry list and going. Apart from me, obviously, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like these guys that I'm racing against are obviously either, either XF1 or should have been an F1 or Le Mans champions or just multiple champions in, in different categories. You know, they're like. They're proper, proper drivers. How long are you signed with Jaguar for? I've got another, uh, another two. So this season and one more season. What? So, because this talk, and we'll be very brief on this because we're running out of time. Believe it or not, there's talk that Formula E will turn into hydrogen fuel cells. There's talk. Do you believe that happens? Um, yes, there's there's, there's small rumours about it. Um, look, I think. It's a high possibility that could happen, um, but I think that's a long way away. Just because, and, and who cares, right? Because you're a works driver and you're being paid good money to do something you love. That would that if you broke it down, right? I mean, to be honest, it's just obviously, yeah. It depends on what the direction the manufacturers are going to go into. Um, this is the whole purpose of Formula E, right? Is because you know manufacturers like Jaguar from 2025 they'll only be producing electric vehicles. So Formula E is, is the best fit for for their them to market their products um, to to you know obviously you know for, you know motorsport is the best test bed for the automotive in, automotive industry yeah. because it's so vicious. 
could you go back and race a supercar now if you had the chance and were given the chance? Do you think you could do that? Or um, because, because, you know, being sitting in an electric car for how many seasons now? Three, four seasons? <laughs> four, um, four seasons? Well, I don't know, five. Five, five seasons, seasons, right? Yeah. I mean, we, I'm, think, and I've not driven an internal been, combustion engine car since, since I left GP2, which is crazy, right? Oh, wow. And I'm not sure if I miss it. Um, Look, that's, that's fascinating. Um, I think just because you know, it's so that the, the the campaign with Formula and Jager was so busy, I don't really have much time to go and drive it. So, so no, de- no desire. Maybe if someone said, "Do you want to come drive Bathurst co-drive?" What would you say? I, I was about to say if if someone offered me like a, a good team offered me a, a you know a drive at Bathurst, I would definitely consider it. Yeah. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't jump at it. But I'll definitely consider it. Yeah. Wow. Your your father must be rolling around, going, "No, no, you've <laughs> got to drive Bathurst at least once if you get the chance." I mean, although he's all over it, he thinks what you're doing is mega. Yeah. I mean, look, look. My dad's from the old school generation. You know, he he he's got petrol through his veins. I've still got petrol through my veins, and I, I always I'm not will. So sure anymore. No, I, I, I <laughs> maybe a little bit of electricity as well, but no. But I, you know. I've grown up with petrol, um, and that will never change. It's just you know the way that the world's moving and and changing. You know, I've got to. I'm I'm open minded, unlike yourself. <laughs> Whoa! Where did that come from? Just because that that comment is a backhander because I said to you, I'm not convinced because I struggle with watching Formula E because it's not enough. Noise. No, I'm joking. I'm, joking. I'm not open minded, man. That's that's a no, that's, that's throwing uh, that's some harsh. heavy shade. Eh? Yeah, no, no. I take you, that back. I did, no, no, mate. I'll take it because I'll pay, I'll pay out somewhere along the way, and I'll I'll ring you at one o'clock in the morning in your pad in Monaco, saying, "Hey, mate, what are you doing? Want to, want to chat to me and Murph on the radio again course, for the thirty fourth time?" Uh, it has been. A, I, we could talk all night, but we don't have. We've got about two minutes left um when when are you back into it rome uh rome 9th of april yep um is my next race so i'm, I'm in the country till wednesday then i go basically straight to the uk on the simulator pre- preparing for um rome two weeks off in monaco so my my home such, race such as such as life it's so <laughs> tough right which is one of the highlight events for any driver oh. right so it's um it's, a, it's always a really exciting race um and we head to the states Got some age, uh, races in Asia. Yeah, Jakarta this year and Vancouver. I've, yeah. I've been to there once, a long time ago. It'd be interesting to see how much they bring the harbour into play. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never been there before, so I'm looking forward to oh, visiting yeah, a new city. What you've got to try and figure out is at what time of the year is you can go and up to Whistler and do some skiing if you if you do that. And I'm only saying that because I got the chance to do it at the, the Olympics in 2010. And Canada is – Canada. I'll tell you this. Canada, apart from saying E after the end, you want some poutine. Canadians are like New Zealanders. They are a North American version of New Zealanders. That's all I can say. Hey, mate, it's been so much fun having you in the studio. And I appreciate, I do appreciate the time you're coming in, but uh, go well. Thank you. Thanks, thanks I, for having me. And I know you're going to leave quietly because that's what electric race car drivers do. <laughs> they leave quietly. They don't have a, a big burst of V8 smoking. This guy. Us. This guy. Uh, we are done <laughs> for this edition of Repco Race Control. My thanks to Shane Van Gisbergen, <laughs> Simon Evans, and, of course, very special guest in studio, Formula E Jaguar driver Mitch Evans. I'll see you next week. And I think next week we'll give away the uh, Repco beer pong table. All right, we'll do that next week. And thanks to Jacob for stepping up to the plate tonight as well. We are done. Have a great Friday. 